as I sort of have already said, uh, so, so much of what Richard and Chris and James shared with us is almost enough to take away. Uh, and so in some ways I'm going to reinforce. Hi Ruth. You're quite all right. In some ways, I'm going to reinforce what they said, uh, but there is a sense in which this is all big, broad brush strokes. Uh, and, and again, like often what happens in these things is you raise more questions than provide answers. But let's look at this in a little bit more detail. Two weeks ago, we had five words, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, last week, with four words, you shall not murder. Tonight, certainly in the NIV, you have 22 words. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Now, one of the obvious distinctives about this particular commandment is that it is the only one that contains a promise. It's the only one that contains a promise. And the Apostle Paul, whenever he was writing to the church in Ephesus, he picked this up. And so he said, honor your father and mother, and he went on to say, which is the first commandment with a promise. And and so there is a sense in which if, if you take this one to heart... That if, that if you live this one out, then there are benefits. And I suppose experience proves, and, and it's been sort of brought out already tonight, I think, that whenever you do honor your parents, that builds good, positive, healthy family relationships, and that then leads to a better quality of life, even if it doesn't lead to a greater quantity of life. It leads to a better quality of life. And the second thing I just want to say uh, by way of introduction, and I know this is stating the obvious, but this is the fifth commandment. It's not the first. And the first four commandments, which we're going to be looking at in subsequent weeks, they are primarily about honoring God, about putting God first. And in a sense, this comes in that context. That whenever a whole family honors God, whenever a whole family puts God first, acknowledges who God is, gives him his rightful place, then in a sense, when we come to commandment five, honoring your parents flows from that and flows out of that place. That whenever your relationship with God as an individual and as a member of a family is given priority, then your relationships with other people tend to, tend to fall into place. And so in a very real sense, as we've said time and time again through this series, all the commandments are connected. You don't just necessarily lift one out in isolation. Now families uh, are great. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Now, don't, you don't need to respond necessarily. But you know, we all find ourselves in them at some level. And as has been brought out tonight, family was God's idea. It was the first institution that God created. It is the most, and James brought the most basic unit of society. And families are these God-designed structures where we grow and where we learn to relate and where we learn to understand other people. But as we start looking at this, the Bible's not naive about the challenges of family. It recognizes that there are pressures and there are tensions. It's one of the reasons why there is so much advice packed into both the Old and the New Testament about how families should function, about how we should behave and how we should speak and relate to one another within that God-given gift. And the Bible also describes or it tells stories, and we've been looking at some of those as a church, about lots of quite dysfunctional families. 
It doesn't just record the highlights, the shining examples. If you look at Genesis alone, the very first family had a major problem to address whenever one brother killed the other. Abraham had his fair share of family dilemmas to work through. Isaac's twins, Jacob and Esau, were at each other's throats, and one of them deceived their dad on a massive scale. Jacob's family, as we've been seeing here on Sunday mornings at Windsor, didn't exactly have it all together. It was favoritism and jealousy and hatred and betrayal. And so although the Bible is incredibly positive about the value and the importance of family life, it affirms family. It's under no illusion. God is under no illusion that family life is easy. And so the fact that there are so many guidelines and advice and commands contained in God's word about family life suggests that there are and there always have been issues that we need to address within our families. But in the midst of the issues and challenges, there is a sense in which God clearly intends families to be safe places. Safe places. Places where there is a sense of belonging and trust and learning and love. But when those places go wrong, when they fracture, and there are lots of reasons for that, and there are many people here, and and this is one of the problems with dealing with this issue, I recognize that for many people this is a painful issue. But whenever they go wrong and whenever they fracture, they can become difficult places, places of struggle, places of real insecurity and of hurt and of frustration and of bitterness and actually places of pain. And family breakdown is a major issue today. And I came across an article recently in in the Daily Telegraph written by Sir Paul Coleridge, who is a high court judge in the family division. And the title of the article, which he wrote in 2009, was Family Breakdown is Now a National Tragedy. And he referred to the fact that in central London, well over 100 family courts are dealing with family breakdown every single day. And he says, multiply that across the rest of the country and you get some field for the scale of the epidemic. So families, it seems, need help. And those of us who are in families, all of us recognize that we do need help. But where do you turn? There's one option, Super Nanny. Has anybody seen that reality TV program? It's fascinating. But just regarding the media and TV in particular, let me ask you a question. And in some ways, I'd I'd love to get your response to this. How is family life and the family unit portrayed on TV? How is it portrayed in soaps like EastEnders and Coronation Street? How is family life portrayed in comedies like Outnumbered? Or how is family life portrayed in what's being described as the first American family? The Simpsons. How helpful is the media's portrayal of family? How accurate is it? And The Simpsons is an interesting one because many critics would argue, and and you may be among those tonight, who argue that The Simpsons is anti-family. A few people are nodding. Whereas there's other people who suggest that for all, and this is a direct quote, for all its slapstick nature, And mocking of certain aspects of family life, the Simpsons has an affirmative side and ends up celebrating 
the family as an institution. For television, this is no minor achievement. And I'd love to throw that open for discussion. Do you think The Simpsons, for example, affirms the family as an institution? Or do you think it actually leads to all sorts of problems? But whatever your perspective on the media and its impact on family, there's no doubt that families do face many issues and challenges. But two of the greatest, and uh, this has been observed by many social commentators, and these two reasons or these two things, these two problems, these two challenges feed and fuel so many other issues, is that there is an increasing loss of authority for the parent. And there is an increasing disrespect for parents. And therefore, whenever you come to the fifth commandment, you realize that this is still profoundly relevant. This, does, this, does, this still does speak into our world. And it speaks into those two issues, but it also speaks into family life in general. And what I want to do is I just want to look at a few implications of those words for sons and daughters, those words of that fifth commandment. But I also want to reflect a little on the role of parents, the role of parents in helping their kids to embrace this command. Okay, God explicitly says that children should honor their father and mother. And someone, as someone has said, not humor them. Uh, two letters makes a massive difference. Uh, but how do you do that? How do you honor? And Chris really has helpfully already defined the word honor because it is a, a, a sort of far-reaching word which has layers of meaning. But I, So I just want to paint some broad brush strokes. And the first is to respect their position. To respect their position. Uh, if, if you are in a court of law, how... how is the judge often addressed as your what? As your honor. Now, you don't know anything about that person, but you respect their position because it's a position of responsibility. And for parents, it's a massive responsibility. It's a privilege, but it's a massive responsibility to be a parent. And it's not easy being a parent And parents do make mistakes. They do get it wrong. They make some major mistakes. But even though no parent is perfect, we should, children should always respect their position. And at times show respect by our words and our actions and our attitude. And not just when we are with our parents, but also how we talk about them behind their backs. Respect their position. Secondly, we honor mom and dad by, by loving and valuing them or their person. You know, part of the meaning behind the word honor is actually to esteem, to value as precious. And so this commandment is, is obviously meant to go beyond just respecting a position that we actually need to love and value them as people. And as, as I was preparing for this, I came across a really helpful comment about the distinction between respecting their position and loving the person. And this, this specifically applies to something Richard touched on and, and something that is a reality for lots of people, and maybe some of you here. Whenever a parent makes poor lifestyle choices, or whenever, for example, a parent is abusive in whatever way, and as I say, I realize that for some people that's a very sharp and painful reality. You see, although in a situation like that, you may not be able to respect the person because of what they've done or what they're doing. 
you can still respect their position as your mum and dad. And you can still love them as a person. Despite their faults. And as I say, I know that's really tough to hear something like that. But I believe we can still honor our parents in the midst of mess. Because yeah, we can respect their position. Not necessarily respect what they're doing. But actually we can still love them as people. And that's a massive, massive challenge. Third way. Submit to their authority. That's an interesting one. Because children are instructed to obey their parents. But what, what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? To listen to their direction. To seek to understand them. To carry out their intent to the best of our ability. And in terms of being obedient to parents, we know that actually the Bible teaches that obedience to parents is the right thing to do and also obedience to parents pleases God. But I think onto this point it is worth saying that the way we honor our parents, our mom and or our dad, or how honor is expressed does change quite significantly as we go through the different stages of life. Just trying to explain it. I mean, for young kids, what does that actually look like? For young children to obey, to honor. For many young kids, what that basically just means is doing what they're told. But as kids get older, and as kids begin to question and query the reasoning behind certain decisions and for the instructions they're receiving, what does honor look like in that context? And what about for the teenager? who is learning to assert their individuality, who is striving for independence, who is making choices that don't always sit comfortably with parents. How does a teenager honor mum and dad? Is it through talking about issues? About addressing points of tension rationally rather than grunting, storming out the door, slamming doors or ignoring what is being said? I remember somebody saying that for many teenagers... They actually could get by with three words. Nothing, nobody, nowhere. What are you doing? Nothing. Where are you going? Nowhere. Who are you going with? Nobody. And actually, if you think about it, lots of you could get by on just those three words. So what does it mean to honor your parents as you're struggling with all of that? Being able to talk. And then as you become an adult... Commandment still applies because this applies right across generations. We're all called to show honor to our parents. But for adults whose parents are still alive, honor, honoring aging parents will take on a new meaning. It may mean providing necessary support, just keeping in touch, not abandoning them, accommodating them in positive and practical ways. And so it does, it takes on a new meaning, I think, depending on where you are at in stage of life. And then just one other thing, and again, this is another one of these difficult issues. Accept their discipline and instruction. And James has already brought out the model we have. God is Father. And we know that God disciplines those he loves. And he does that because he cares for us. And he wants what's best for us. And he doesn't want us to get hurt. And as parents, that should always be our intention when we discipline. It's not to inflict pain. It's not to shame our kids. But it's to instruct and teach and guide them. And as I say, I realize that's a huge topic in itself. But a failure to discipline can be based on scripture. A 
failure to discipline can be a failure to love. So how do you keep peace with your parents? Respect their position, love and value them, submit to their authority and accept their discipline and instruction. But let me just think for a moment about how we as parents can make it easier. And I think this is really important. How we make it easier for our kids to embrace this command. Well, back to Ephesians 6, because whenever Paul talks about children obeying their parents, he does quote the fifth commandment. He also makes the point that it is a promise. But the very next thing that he says is, fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. In other words, don't provoke them to anger in the way that you treat them. And I think what's wrapped up here in this advice and what Paul has been saying is, listen, parents, you need to help kids to honor you. If you want kids to honor you, you have got yourself to be honorable. But how do we as parents, and those who are parents, how do parents go about being honorable? And I was, I was trying to think this through, and I mean, there are no easy, and this is the problem with things like this, is you put things up on a screen in four points, and you think, right, there you are, but I hope you know me by now that it's not, I don't mean it to be just as straightforward and simple as that. But let me suggest just a few ways in how we can help. Spending time, quality time, or actually should that be quantity time with kids? It's crucial. Time, some would say, is the most precious thing we own. And whenever we give our kids time, we are actually giving them the most valuable thing that we possess. And for many kids, that speaks volumes. But I realize that life for lots of parents is hectic and the demands on time is severe. But, you know, if we want to build healthy family relationships, which breed and respect and honor, then we're going to need to spend time, quality time, quantity time, undistracted time, fun time, attentive time, focused time with our kids. And yes, if you enjoy doing the same sort of things that they enjoy doing, that really helps. But whenever you start talking along these lines, most parents, and I do speak by myself here, most parents end up feeling judged and really guilty. Because I don't mean any parent who says, yeah, I, I spend adequate time with my kids. But I know and I realize that when it comes to shaping our kids and our kids' values and their priorities and their outlook in life and their perspective and their faith, there is no substitute for actually spending time with them. And you know, my world or our worlds won't fall apart if we don't work those extra hours. Our worlds won't fall apart if we don't complete that list of things to do. But the relationship with our kids just might if time with them is constantly squeezed out by these other non-essentials. And again, I realize massive issues, David. Massive. And then following on from this is the importance of communication. Actually talking, talking with, and again, this requires time. One shocking statistic that I read this week, and, and it, I mean, the thing with statistics, but on average, it's reckoned that a father spends 38 seconds a day talking face-to-face with their kids. And I know what James is saying about the importance of family meal times and how there's so much of life now is, is done in isolation and therefore we don't spend time together. But families need to talk. And sometimes we can be guilty of exchanging words but not actually saying anything particularly helpful. Let me give you a really trivial example of this but I think it illustrates the problem. 16-year-old girl walks into her front room 
Her family are watching TV and she asks, has anyone seen my new dress? And dad replies, you mean the one that cost far too much? Grandmother replies, you mean the one that's far too short? Mum replies, you mean the one that has to be washed in cold water by hand? Brother says, you mean the one that makes you look fat? Sister replies, you mean the one that you won't let me borrow? Lots of words. Lots of comments. But the 16-year-old girl walks away frustrated. Exasperated. No communication. And how we communicate at home is so important. And as parents, if we constantly tolerate negativity and sarcasm and harsh words, then we're not going to nurture an environment where respect and obedience and love and value are fed and fueled. And linked to this and and flowing out of this is the importance of praise. And if we're going to help our kids keep this commandment, I really do firmly believe in this, the need to praise our kids. Because an atmosphere of praise is the best environment for parents and kids to grow in. And if parents can learn to create that atmosphere by being quick to compliment and credit and slow to criticize and condemn, then children are far more likely to thrive in a context like that. And so children are commanded to honor their parents. And then I just want to say one final thing. And it is about an issue that, again, the guys brought out. And that is about forgiveness, the importance of forgiveness. Because unforgiveness creates havoc in a family. And unless we learn to forgive and to be forgiven, then life behind closed doors is going to be very, very difficult. And whenever someone outside of our family hurts us and sins against us, well, we can often walk away from that person or we can create some distance between us and them and therefore it's livable. But whenever forgiveness is not offered or received at home, it actually makes day-to-day life really uncomfortable. And it does take courage to forgive. And again, we need God's help. But as one very respected doctor has written in this whole issue of making peace with your parents, and here he was specifically talking about a situation where your parents have hurt you. He said this, that the psychological truth is that holding on to our past resentments towards parents robs us of our current peace of mind and our ability to experience satisfaction in the here and now relationships. And I think it is really important to learn the lesson that we need to forgive for our own sakes. For our own sakes. But also we need to forgive for our family's sake. And that doesn't mean that we minimize or we even forget the past hurt that we have felt. I don't believe it does. But it does allow us to build something positive in the present while making sure that we don't actually repeat what has happened in the past. When family members humbly seek and grant forgiveness, relationships can actually survive. And I do need to finish. Families are an area where I will guarantee you every single one of us recognizes that we've made mistakes as kids, as siblings, as parents, as grandparents. And we know there are casualties all around us, not just in openly broken homes, but also in lots of situations where tensions exist below the surface but I honestly do believe that God wants to help us he wants us to get the most out of this gift that he has given to us and therefore a commandment like this which is backed up and it's affirmed all over scripture is a way of God saying here listen here's how you make families work and as always with God's rules for living 
they make so much sense, even though they're not always easy. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing a song to close. And just in the, in the silence and the quietness, I just want to invite you to actually pray for your family. Whether that's for kids, for parents, for siblings, wider family relationships. Where some of the stuff tonight we've talked about is very relevant. God, we do recognize that you want what's best for us. And not just want it, but you know what's best for us. And therefore, you have given us guidelines and you have given us advice and you have given us commands for how we make life work. And so, God, I pray for each person here in whatever role they have within family life, that you would grant them wisdom. You'd help them to make good choices. You'd help them to work through some of the issues that have been raised tonight. And God, thank you for your grace again in our lives. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your model of fatherhood. And God, even in that, and I know I haven't touched on this tonight, but even in that, for those for whom the idea, the image, the picture of God as Father is a difficult one, God, I pray for them tonight. Because what has been modeled to them has been less than helpful and less than a reflection of your values that James spelled out for us so clearly. Fathers who haven't been rocks, who haven't been faithful, who haven't been there. So God, I pray for anyone for whom that applies. In your name we pray. Amen.